<laughs> well, I just want to briefly share with you this morning uh, about a subject I call the potter's field. All right, now you may say, what, first of all, what is the potter's field? And then secondly, what in the world does that have to do with Easter at all? What does that have to do with Resurrection Sunday? Well, we'll see. We'll see. If you have your Bibles or your device this morning, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. And I'm going to start right at verse 1. I'm reading out of the New King James Version of the Bible, and so if you have a different version, don't worry about it. We'll get to the same place together. Amen. I, I, I enjoy the King James Version. I'm kind of old school, but then the New King James kind of upgrades some of the these and the thous, you know, to you and yours. So Matthew 27, beginning at verse 1, the Bible says, When morning came, all of the chief priests, and the elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and to the elders. Verse 4, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see, you see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. But the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful to put them into the treasury because they are the price of blood. And they consulted together and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in it. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the, took the thirty pieces of silver, the value of him who was priced, whom they of the children of Israel priced, and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me. This day, Resurrection Sunday, as you well know, is all about one thing and one thing only, and that is Jesus, our risen Savior, rising from the dead. But there were many things that happened around this one event of the crucifixion and the resurrection. And one of them was the plight of Judas. Now, Judas is one that we don't talk about very much when we talk about apostles or disciples. Usually we talk about Paul the apostle, since he wrote most of what we know now as the New Testament. We talk about Peter because he was right there with Jesus when Jesus did everything that he did. And we talk about Thomas because Thomas doubted Jesus, that Jesus was alive until he could see him and touch his hand and touch his side. We talk about all of the other apostles uh, except Judas. And when we do speak about Judas, we only speak about the fact that he betrayed Christ. And that's it. And then we kind of forget about him. Well, if 
immortality is what Judas wanted to achieve, he certainly achieved it, didn't he? I mean, we, we talk about Judas, and he's, he's known, just like us Americans, would know Benedict Arnold, right? He's a traitor. People just don't like Judas or what he did. After all, when was the last time you seen a St. Judas church, right? And remember some years ago when people were naming all of their children after, you know, biblical characters, Aaron and Joseph and Joshua, I don't know, what are some other biblical names? Yeah, Simon, yeah, Michael, yeah, Michael the archangel, right, you know? And, uh, you know, they were naming, you never heard anyone named Judas, little Judas, where's little Judas today? What's little Judas doing? I mean, that was like calling somebody a name if you said little Judas. And so Judas' name is synonymous with bad things. For that matter, you might remember, some of you, Jesus' younger brother. His name was Judas. And in fact, his younger brother wrote a letter that we now have in the Bible. But it's called the Book of Jude. You see, Judas shortened his name to Jude when he wrote his letter. I wonder why he did that. I mean, we don't have a first, first and second Pete, you know, or a first, second, and third Jack. You know, it's first, second, and third John, and it's Peter. Could it be that Judas, Jesus' brother, didn't want to be uh, known or, you know, talked about in the same sentence as Judas Iscariot? Judas Iscariot, who was this man? Well, we don't really have a lot of information about Judas. We know that his father's name was Simon. We know that his name was also Iscariot, which could mean that he was from a place called Iscariot. And from the scriptures, we discover that he was appointed as one of the apostles by Jesus himself. We also know that he became a thief because he was put over the treasury and he stole from that very same treasury. But what would cause this man to sentence one of his closest friends to one of the most heinous deaths ever recorded? Well, there have been some reasons that have been brought up as to maybe why Judas did this. I mean, being from Cariot, he would have been the only one of the apostles, the only one of the twelve that wasn't a Galilean. And so maybe he felt like he was an outsider. Have you ever been part of a group and felt like an outsider? Like everybody else had their own conversation and their own vernacular, and you kind of weren't quite in, in the inner circle. You felt like you were outside of it. Maybe that's what Judas felt. Maybe he turned state's evidence to save his own skin. Maybe he was one that he said, listen, I can see the writing on the wall here. I mean, this man, Jesus, he's doing a lot of great things. I mean, he's healing people, delivering people. Uh, you know, he's doing all these things, yet they're still after him, which means they're after us. And I'm going to jump off this ship before it goes down. Maybe, maybe that's what he thought. Maybe he simply did it out of greed. I mean, I read somewhere that the 30 pieces of silver that Ju Judas got was a equivalent to about $10,000 today. I would take ten grand. I mean, that'd get me out of debt, right? 
I could go on vacation, maybe a cruise or something, and also get ice cream. So you could, you could do a few things with $10,000. Maybe it was just greed. I don't know. Maybe Judas did this because he came to realize that he could not hide his inner self from Jesus. I mean, think about it. Those that walked with Jesus, Jesus was able to see and to peer into their soul. He was able to know by the Holy Spirit what they were thinking, what they were planning, what was in their heart. And so maybe Judas said, this man knows what's in my heart. And so maybe that's why he did it. Or have you ever, I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but maybe, and more likely to me, Judas never intended for Jesus to die that day. Could be. Instead, maybe he hoped to force Jesus' hand. In other words, he walked with Jesus. Come on, Judas was one of the twelve. He saw all of the miracles. He was there when Jesus was walking down the road and the blind man was calling out. He may have been one of those who said, listen, be quiet. Jesus has uh, places to go and people to see. He was there when the woman with the issue of blood came and touched Jesus' garment. And Jesus said, who touched me? Maybe Judas was one of the ones that said, how do we know, my Lord? He was right there with him when Jesus cast out the legion of demons that was in the boy in the graves. Judas was there every time Jesus performed a miracle. And so he saw all of these things and he knew that Jesus was going to restore Israel, the kingdom of Israel. And maybe it was taking too long for Judas, maybe like the others. And so maybe G Judas thought, well, I've seen Jesus do all of these miracles. I know he is filled with the Spirit. Maybe he was there the day that he got baptized in the background before he was called to be an apostle. I don't know. But he saw all of these things, and he knew that Jesus was well capable of restoring this kingdom. And so Judas said, listen, I'm going to help it along. You ever tried to help God along with something? Come on. Am I the only guilty one? Right? This, maybe you got a prophecy or maybe you read some scripture or maybe you know what God is going to do. And so you try to help him along. Maybe that's what Judas was doing, trying to help Jesus along. And you might say, well, I don't know if he helped him along by doing that. But listen, Judas knew what Jesus was capable of. So maybe he said, well, if I force his hand, He'll restore the Israel. He'll restore the kingdom of Israel back to its rightful place. Maybe Judas never wanted Jesus to die that day. If that was the case, listen to me now, what a tragedy Judas witnessed when he saw his plan fly into pieces. Judas Iscariot, friend, confidant, treasurer, traitor, how it must have broken Jesus heart when Judas stepped out of the crowd of those who came to arrest him and betrayed him with a kiss on the cheek. But folks, the name Judas will go down in history as being synonymous with betrayal. And so our question today in 2014 is what then did Judas miss? If we go back to this passage of scripture that we just read, Matthew 27, maybe look at it 
in the Amplified Version of the Bible says, When Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, Judas was afflicted in mind and troubled for his former folly and with remorse, with little more than a selfish dread of the consequences, he brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned in betraying innocent blood. Well, they replied, what is that to us? See to it yourself. See, Judas was one that had remorse in his heart. Goes on to say, in casting the pieces of silver forward into the holy place of the temple, he then departed and he went off and he hanged himself, the Bible says. But the chief priest, picking up that silver, said it's not legal to put this in the consecrated treasury, for it is the price of blood. So after the consultation they brought with him, the piece, they bought with them the pieces of silver, the potter's field as a place in which to bury strangers. This is what they did with this silver, to bury strangers. They bought this field. And if we keep reading further, we'll discover some things. If we put it together, we'll discover that Judas hung himself even before Christ was sentenced. Did you ever, you ever thought about that? Even before Pilate was done questioning Jesus, Judas was dead. Even before they pressed the one-inch crown of thorns into Jesus' head so deep that blood began to trickle down his face uncontrollably and onto his neck, Judas was dead. Before they gave Barabbas to the people, in Jesus' place. Judas was already dead before Jesus hung on the cross and was nailed there, died by saying, it is finished. Judas was already dead. Folks, the real tragedy in this is that when Jesus looked down from the cross and he saw all of those who had beat him, he saw all of those who had scourged him with the cat of nine tails and tore his flesh from his body. When he looked down and he saw those who had spit on him and talked about them, and he said to the Father in heaven, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. When he did that, Judas was already dead. When Jesus doled out the ultimate forgiveness for everyone, Judas was already dead. Jesus looked at that mob, and in Luke 23, 34, it says, Father, forgive these people. They don't know what they're doing. That's the greatest forgiveness known to mankind. I hope you catch this, because the Lord does not want anyone to perish. Anyone, folks. Even Judas. Even Judas. Just as it was Judas' decision to betray Christ, so it was Judas' decision to hang himself and not accept the forgiveness of God. You ever thought about that? It was his choice to die 
with unrepentant sin and not accept God's forgiveness. See, Christ's forgiveness is not dependent upon our actions or our behavior. And for that matter, it doesn't even matter whether or not we deserve his forgiveness. The forgiveness that each one of us needs is dependent on one thing and one thing only, and that is the unmerited grace of God. You know what grace is? Grace has been defined as the unmerited, undeserved, and unearned love of God. And surely Jesus needed some undeserved love. Just as much or more than the rest of us. Guess what? You and I need some undeserved love. You know the saddest part of this story is that Jesus, Judas rather, came so close to forgiveness. Most of us don't even realize that. We think that he just betrayed Jesus and then just went and hung himself. But I want to tell you that he came close, saints, to forgiveness. You see, I believe that there are three things required to accept the forgiveness of God. First thing is acknowledgement of our sin. We must acknowledge our sin. Then we must have a sense of remorse for our sin. And then thirdly, we must accept the forgiveness of God by faith. So how close did Judas come in these? Well, if you look back at Matthew 27, 4, he said, I have sinned. Judas acknowledged his sin. That's more than we can say for most of the people living on the earth today. Judas, the one that betrayed Christ, acknowledged his sin. He said, for I have betrayed an innocent man. There was the acknowledgement of his sin right there. Judas didn't try to justify himself. He didn't try to offer up excuses for what he had done. He didn't say, well, really, if I didn't do it, someone else was going to do it. It was just a matter of time. They would have come to arrest him anyway. Judas didn't say any of these things. He didn't try to rationalize, saints. He didn't say, well, how was I to know that they were going to hurt him that bad, let alone crucify him? Instead, he said, I have sinned, for I have betrayed an innocent man. And in verse 3 of that same chapter, we read the words, when Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. That's the Bible. It says that Judas not only acknowledged his sin, but he was filled with remorse. Filled with it. We've been filled with remorse before, but for a lot of us, usually only after we've been caught. Come on. <laughs> Before the most part, we are like King David who cried out, I have sinned against the Lord, but only after Nathan confronted him. And even with Judas' acknowledgement of his sin and his remorsefulness, he still couldn't bring himself to ask for forgiveness. He went out and killed himself. And while two out of three might be all right in some cases, it just doesn't cut it when it comes to eternity. I'm sorry to tell you. There's an old song that used to say 99 and a half won't do. 
You have to have a hundred when it comes to the Lord. You have to give your all to him. There are people in churches all over Bloomington, all over Indiana, and all over the world, maybe right here today, who know the truth of Romans 3.23, where it says, Paul told the Romans, for all have sinned and come short of God's glory. Come on. They know that. They are really remorseful and they feel really bad about their sin, but for some reason, they just cannot bring themselves to ask for forgiveness, to come forward and say, Lord, it is me standing in need of prayer today. I don't know what's holding them back, whether it's pride or stubbornness, but I do know that it's a dangerous game to play, saints. Because you don't have to hang yourself to miss the forgiveness of God. Three days after Jesus and Judas died, Jesus rose again, but Judas was still dead. And as Christ appeared to the disciples after his resurrection, he made a statement that would never apply to Judas. John 20, 19. That evening on the first day of the week, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing in their midst and he said, peace be with you. What did Judas miss? Well, the first thing he missed was the forgiveness of Christ. The second thing he missed was God's peace. He seemed to have lived without it his whole life and now would appear to have died without it. Oh, that peace that Christ promised to his disciples in John 14, 27 said, I am leaving with you a gift, a gift of peace of mind and of heart. And the peace I give you isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid, Jesus said. Even then, it was just hours until Jesus or Judas' lips would touch Jesus' cheek in betrayal. Can I leave you my peace? I wonder if Judas was struggling with the decision even as Christ spoke about peace. I wonder if even then there was a craving of peace that would never be his. I wonder for some if there's a craving of peace that will never be yours. The world can never give you that peace and that is why Suicide is one of the greatest killers, especially of young people. It's why teen suicide has been so rampant over the last 30 years. We look happy, and everyone may think we have the world by the tail, but we know deep down inside that we don't. We alone know whether or not we have that peace. You know, it's easy to externalize, isn't it? to put on a mask. Felix Powell was the composer of an old song some of you might remember. Pack up your troubles in your own kit bag. Your old kit bag and smile, smile, smile. It was once called the most optimistic song ever written and yet Powell himself died by his own hand. Took his own life. Paul wrote in the letter that he wrote to the Christians in the city of Philippi in Philippians 4, 
said, if you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can even comprehend. His peace will guard your heart and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. If you have the peace, then you know what I'm talking about. But have you ever tried to explain this peace to someone who doesn't have it? You can't explain it. It's something that you just have to experience. They just look at you funny. See, when most people talk about peace, they think about maybe what's going on in the Middle East or what's happening in war. But peace in the Bible talks about it's more than just an absence of war. It's something that Jesus gives. The Greek word for peace is irene, which literally means to set at one again, to set back to one. In other words, to reset. You ever wish you could have a reset, to go back, be reset? That's what this word means. All of those troubles that you had, God just reset, reset you. And it deals primarily with brokenness and broken relationships. When we are granted forgiveness through the grace of our God, then our relationship with God is restored and we are brought back to that place where we belong in God. Saints, Judas missed this restoration. Suicide doesn't solve these problems. Money doesn't solve these problems. Power doesn't solve these problems. You see, Judas didn't damn himself at the point of betraying Christ, which a lot of us think. That's not the point where he condemned his own self. But he most certainly did when he refused to set his relationship with God straight. I am convinced personally that had Judas sought the forgiveness of Christ, that forgiveness that only Christ can give, then he would have experienced the peace that only Christ can provide. There's one thing many commentators and theologians will agree on, and that's that Judas was a fervent nationalist. He was looking for an end to the Roman rule and the tyranny over the Jewish enslavement. And he thought his answer lay in Jesus. Judas missed a life of peace with Jesus. When Judas came to the end of his relatively short life, he felt so powerless to cope with the events that had just taken place. Events that he himself caused because... In his mind, he broke the sixth commandment. Thou shalt not kill. Because 40 days after Judas died, Jesus made a promise to the remaining 11 disciples. When he said, when my Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. Judas missed out on that power. Within 10 days of that promise of power, unparalleled magnitude, it swept into the world, and Judas missed the one thing that had driven his life, that only Jesus could have given him, power, the power from God. That same power that Judas so desired but missed is available to every one of us and every one of you. Listen to me. Judas missed a lot. He missed out on forgiveness, the forgiveness of Christ. He missed out on the peace of God. 
He missed out on the power of the Holy Spirit. But I'm here this morning to tell you that you don't have to miss out on that same peace. You don't have to miss out on that same power. You don't have to miss out on that forgiveness. And there is only one that can give us that same forgiveness. And that is Jesus the Christ. When we talk about the gospel, we're not talking about a set of laws or a set of rules, a set of principles. When we talk about the gospel, we're talking about a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. We cannot love law. We cannot love principles. We cannot love rules. But we can certainly love the person of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you that if you're here today and you don't know him as your personal savior, you have no idea what you're missing out on. I'm not talking about you're missing out on great church services or things that those church people do. I'm not even telling you that you're missing out on church. I'm talking about a life. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is the name that is above every name. Listen to Philippians chapter 2. I'll start at verse 5, and I'll end with this. Paul told the church at Philippi this. He said, Let this mind or this attitude be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he did what? He humbled himself. He became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. Come on, somebody. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and has given him the name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Do you know that even your enemy Satan will bow to Jesus and say that you are Lord of all? What makes you think that you won't do that? Every last one of us, whether you are a Christian or not, whether you believe in the Lord Jesus or not, whether you're with him or against him, on that day will bow on bended knee and cry out, Jesus, the name that is above every name. Our Savior, 2,000 years ago, died on a bloody cross. It's unthinkable to go through what Jesus went through. Yet it touches us and it changes us no matter how old you are. My daughter last night and Mary and her friend were at the house and, and we were there talking and they were playing and interesting to me because I was ready to watch some basketball games, you know, relax a little bit. 
they came to me and said, hey, we want to watch a movie. And I said, well, of course you do. You know, the girls get together and they want to watch a movie. I said, well, you know, hopefully it's something that's appropriate, you know, the teenage girls. You know what they wanted to see? The Passion of the Christ. Do you have the Passion of the Christ? I said, yeah, we have it here somewhere on DVD. We're flipping through channels and all the time I'm thinking, I really would like to see the game, you know. Flipping through channels, Jeff, and lo and behold, the Passion of the Christ is on. And so we sat there and watched the rest of that movie. And though even that movie doesn't compare to what Jesus went through, it touched us. I could tell, even as we just talked about it, we almost couldn't get through the end of it to know what your Savior went through for you. It's unexplainable. I don't want to be graphic, but flesh was ripped from him. Blood was coming down. Scars. Cuts. Crown of thorns. Blood dripping. And still, in the midst of all of that, as he looked down at his accusers and his tormentors and his torturers, he looked down and he saw all of you. And he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. He stood in the gap when we couldn't. It would have done us no good to get on that cross and die because we would have just died. But the perfect blood of Christ was shed for us, for you and for me. That wasn't the end of the story, folks. He died on a bloody cross. And for three days, the Bible says that he went below and he preached to the captives. And he took captivity captive and brought them up with him. And on the third day, the Bible says a stone rolled away. And your Lord and Savior and mine rose from the dead, resurrected with a new body. Come on, somebody. A new body. All of our sin forgiven. All of our sin wiped away. Every sin that we ever committed, every sin that we ever would commit, washed away and thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. Now you are free. You are free this morning.